Lord, now we yield to be your servants, to do your will, bring forth your plan, your purpose. Everywhere that Jesus went, he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness and disease came through the fall of man when the devil entered the garden. It was always God's will that we would walk with divine health. Because of the fall, we now need healing in our bodies many times because of what the devil does. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, it is the will of God to heal you. It is always the will of God to heal. And if that's you, just slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you. Believers all around you, take a look in your row. About every section has somebody in it with their hands raised. If you can't get to them, just stretch your hands out there toward them. Father, we know that your will is healing. You've shown us in your word. You showed us through the manifestation of the healing virtue and power that everywhere Jesus went, he healed all who were oppressed. Lord, the woman with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch the hem of the garment, I will be healed. And Lord, today we just believe that every hand lifted is reaching out to touch the hem of the garment that Jesus wore that Jesus knew that virtue and that dunamis power flowed out of him when that touch was made. And I thank you, Lord, that as we release our faith in your healing power, that it is just as if the hem of your garment were here and we're stretched out for it. We declare healing. We bind sickness and disease and we loose the healing power of Jesus in every person in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, good to see all of you here. Let's lift up the word of God. <clears throat> I pray that this never becomes a ritual with any of us, but it becomes a way of life. So let's say it. The word of God, word of God is, true. is true. If I live the word... I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell that person with you, it is just that simple. Hi, Sue. Haven't seen you for a while. It is just that simple. <laughs> Bill O'Brien always has a word, doesn't he, Sue? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of uh, Mark chapter 11, we're going to be reading there in just a few moments. Pastor Pam sends her love to all of you. I spoke with her uh, this morning. She is doing extremely well. Did I say chapter, what did I say? Oh, I said Mark, didn't I? I'm in, my, uh, in Matthew. They moved Mark in my book. Here, I got to move. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Pastor Pam sends, uh, sends her love. I spoke with her this morning. Uh, there are 14 hours ahead of us. <clears throat> so she has been in uh, Maui ministering with Pastor Sharon at uh, Big Assembly of God Church there and on the island of Maui. 
And then from Maui, they have uh, now uh, flown down to Sydney, and they ministered uh, last couple of days at a ladies' conference in Sydney, and Sunday morning service there yesterday for them. It gets confusing when I try to say this. But anyway, they're 14 hours ahead of us, so yesterday has come and gone for them in Sydney. And uh, and then they'll be uh, flying from Sydney to Perth. I think it's interesting. Pam's dad was stationed in Perth on the USS Saratoga for a while. And she'll be in Perth for a few days ministering with Sharon. Then from Perth, they fly to Manila and will be ministering in Manila for uh, almost a week in Manila and then going out to one of the islands to minister. And then they fly into, uh, I think, Singapore or Tokyo somewhere and then back to the United States. Whoa, sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But anyway, yeah, uh, she's doing well. So continue to pray for her. Been a great time of ministry and outreach and uh, just a powerful, powerful time. So we thank God for that. And we thank God for each and every one of you. I, I know we had some visitors and I had stepped out for just a moment. Can I see the hands of the visitors again? Just so I can see with one, two, three, four, five. And I see the camp family. Give them all a hand. <laughs> we are we are glad you're with us. You got to do some FaceTime, didn't you? Uh, I, I've got to know, Megan, you've got to help me with FaceTime. My phone, something went wacko on my phone. But anyway, my grandma was really happy to see all of you kids and wave at you. So good to have you here. Jack, you missed your golf game. I, I, I don't want to embarrass Jack, but I was going to take golf to play. I was going to play, take Jack to play golf Thursday, and he, and he said, I can't play. I've got to go to a football game. Can you believe that? A young teenage guy with a girlfriend went to a football game instead of playing golf with me. I just, I just can't believe that. But anyway, if you have your Bible open in the book of Mark, I'm going to share a word with you this morning that the Lord had given me, and, and that is the power of forgiveness. And I believe that as we go through the scripture today and we talk about some of these examples that, that the Lord has shown me and that I've really lived through, you'll understand how important it is. We know from the Word of God, from the songs and the worship songs that we've sang, it is God's will to bless us. He wants you to have abundance. John chapter 10, he defeated the devil through his son. He defeated the devil, powers, principalities, gave us the victory, gave us power, gave us dominion, authority, gives us abundance for every good work. He wants you to be blessed in everything that you do. But what we're going to talk about today is one of the most powerful forces that can continue the flow of blessings in your life or it can hinder your life. And there are a lot of people today who have a life that has been hindered from the way God really wants to bless you and you don't even realize it. And I believe today is going to be a life-changing experience. When we first went to Tulsa many, many years ago, and you've heard the story about how I had a word from the Lord that go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning, meaning for your life. And when we first got out there and we came under the leadership of Pastor Billy Joe Doherty, man of God who's now alive and well in heaven, but he was a tremendous influence in my life. And God opened the doors where I was able to work with him and, and become part of the staff there. And I remember in the very beginning, I felt drawn to the love and, and the compassion that I saw in that man. And one of the first things he shared with us and then in, in the, with the congregation, and then really shared with us individually in meetings, leadership meetings and all. But when he was a youth pastor, first starting out, just a young guy, 
and the head of, of the four square uh, churches, which is a, used to be a huge organization in America and still is a large organization, was ministering in the church where he was the youth pastor. And he said, I was just a young, impetuous young guy, and I want to learn everything I could from this man of God. So after he ministered, the, the, the man was going out to his car. He said, I'll never forget. It was just starting to rain. And I ran out behind him and I said, if you could tell me one thing that I need to know in ministry and never forget, what would it be that would just keep me in the ministry and keep me successful in ministry? He said, the guy stopped, turned around, said, don't get bitter, got in a car, shut the door and drove off. And he said, that's all he said. And he said, I'm standing out there on this gravel road with the rain coming down. And all I heard was, don't get bitter. And he said, I was really, frankly, just a little bit disappointed. And then it went on years and years of ministry, and I realized he gave me the best advice I ever needed in my life. It was the advice I needed to keep me not only in ministry, but in life. Don't get bitter. If you don't get better, uh, yeah. if you don't get bitter, you'll always get better. But sometimes we get bitter and we don't even know it because it comes in stages. And the Word of God in the book of Mark chapter 11, this verse is 25 and 26. <clears throat> Jesus said basically that we need to forgive everyone so that our Heavenly Father would forgive us. And it starts out by saying when you pray. It's not just talking about when you pray. It's talking about in your life. Whenever you pray, whenever you do anything, if there is anyone that you need to forgive, forgive them so that your heavenly Father will forgive you. The principle of forgiveness is not based on right or wrong. But without the Spirit of God and the Word of God, you will always base your response to people and situations based on right or wrong. It will always be like that. Years ago, when Rex and Nell were part of our church, <coughs> excuse me, Rex brought in, I'm sorry, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. <coughs> and I love seasonal changes. Don't like what they do to my allergies, or it might mean the devil's allergies. I don't have any allergies, but I <clears throat> obviously have something that's not working right. But <clears throat> somebody's going to bring me honey this service. Did they do it? Well, anyway, they're going to bring me honey. I already bought some honey from, from the orchard. Did I tell you guys? I, I went out to the orchard, the uh, whatever they call it, and I bought some honey. They told me they had honey from Lafayette bees out there. So I went out there and I said, you got any Lafayette bees and Lafayette honey out here? And they said, yes, we do. And I said, how do you know all those bees are from Tippecanoe <laughs> County? Well, they didn't know how to answer that, and they didn't know how to handle me either. But anyway, I am taking honey from Tippecanoe bees, and it's going to do the job. <clears throat> now, wherever I was, oh, I know. So they brought in this magnet for the refrigerator, and it said, I knew, I, he, and he said, Pam, this is for you, not Bill. This is for you to keep before your eyes. And it says, I knew when I married you, I married Mr. Wright. I just didn't know your first name was always. <laughs> well, <coughs> Pam loved it, and she kept it on. It's still on our refrigerator, but, <clears throat> but anyway. If you're not careful, you will think that you have to judge every situation based on what is right or what is wrong from your perceptive. But your perceptive has nothing to do with forgiveness. Right or wrong has nothing to do with forgiveness. In July, Pam and I had the privilege of going back to Christians United for Israel again in Washington, D.C. And the guest speaker 
Ellie Weissel uh, was not able to make it. He's in his 90s right now. He's had some health challenges. But he's a mighty man of God who won the Nobel Peace Prize. I've heard Ellie before. He's, uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. He uh, spent many years in Auschwitz, and he wrote, uh, received the Nobel Prize, then also wrote a book that I'd recommend for everyone called Night. And it's the story of his survival through Auschwitz and the point when he, in the beginning when he writes the book, says, I just believe there was no God, even though I'd worshiped him all my life. No God would allow this to happen. Yet what happened happened. He saw his father murdered in front of his eyes. He saw his mother and daughter cremated. And, uh, and, but he wrote the book, and, and it's so poignant. It said, I knew I had to forgive my captors because if I didn't, it would lock me up with them emotionally for the rest of my life. Corey Tin Boone wrote a book like that also. Forgiveness is the key to receiving God's blessings. It starts from what God did for us. He forgave us while we were still sinners. We receive that forgiveness, and then while people are still doing things they shouldn't be doing, we allow that forgiveness to flow through. Forgiveness is an act of the will just as love is a deliberate act of the will. We don't give love because somebody deserves it. We give love because we have love. We don't give forgiveness because somebody deserves it. We give forgiveness because we were given forgiveness. And in, in, when you understand that, then it will set you free to be everything that God wants you to be. And in just a moment, you're going to see scripturally how forgiveness continues to allow the flow of God's blessings into our life. Unforgiveness blocks the blessings of God's flow. And if we don't understand the difference, then we many times will be holding back what God wants to do in our life because of unforgiveness. Many years ago, and by the way, the next scripture I want to share with you is in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Many years ago uh, in, in Tulsa, uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland was ministering, and he was sharing about a, a situation that he had gone through in his life, what actually was going through, <coughs> excuse me, and he said he had an open vision one day, and God showed him this, this vision. He was really struggling in the area of finances. Now, how many of you know who Kenneth Copeland is? Can I see your hands? Okay. Many of us have followed him over the years. I certainly have. And uh, tell you a funny story one time. <clears throat> Billy Joe uh, had Kenneth Copeland come in to minister at Victory. And uh, so uh, uh, he was going to pick him up at the airport. Kenneth Copeland flies his own plane. <clears throat> so I got a call from the pastor's secretary, and he said, uh, Pastor's tied up. He can't make it to the airport to pick up Brother Copeland. He's flying into Jinx, a little private airport. He said, he wants you to go pick him up. I said, great. Now, that's a good reason why you always keep your car clean. So turn to your neighbor and say, keep your car clean. <clears throat> so, uh, so anyway, now I've always kept my car pretty clean, so, so it, was, it was very clean. So on the way out there, I thought, well, this is exciting. You know, just a rookie guy and running out to pick up this very famous, world-famous man. So I'm on the way out there, 
a few days earlier, I had bought some strawberry spray for a car. Any of you ever see this spray you can buy? And I bought this strawberry spray. <clears throat> and uh, so on the way, but I'd never used it. So I had it in the glove compartment. So I thought, well, I'll make my car smell really nice. So I pulled it out and I squirted it and nothing. And squirted again, nothing. And I, I, I must have squirted it five, six, seven times. I thought, man, this thing isn't any good. And I, so I threw it back in the glove compartment. How many of you know where I'm going with this already? Yeah. I don't understand how it works. I still don't understand how it works, but it has a delay response time to the aroma. And all of a sudden, I'm arriving at the airport thinking this stuff didn't work at all. And all of a sudden, it's like a bomb went off. My car smells like a strawberry patch, only not really good strawberries, just a strawberry patch. It really smells bad. So I got the windows down now trying to get the smell out of the car. And pretty soon, sure enough, here comes this plane up. And he gets out of the plane. He gets in, in, in my car and says, hello, how are you? And I can tell he's, he's just he's not in a talkative mood. He's, he's, he's focused on something. I have no idea what. But spiritually, I can tell he's focused. So he didn't say a word. But when he got in my car, he sat down like this and he kind of looked around. Now, I'm sure he just looked around. My car was clean. To me, he was sniffing my car, <laughs> thinking, glory to God, what is this? Now, he didn't say that, but that was a look. Well, <clears throat> took him to his hotel, and that was the end of that story. But a few months later, fast forwarding, I'm telling the story in a meeting with Billy Joe and Sharon being there. And Sharon starts laughing like crazy. And she says, oh, you're never going to believe this, Bill. And I said, what? He said, we went to pick him up one day at the airport, and I had, can you believe it, strawberry spray, and I did the very same thing. I said, are you serious? She said, yeah. He probably thinks we all smell like that at Victory. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was absolutely hilarious. Now, the point is, when he came and ministered that day, he was talking. He said, I'm a minister who ministers the uncompromised Word of God. <clears throat> if the Word of God said it, that settles it. If the Holy Spirit says it, that settles it. <laughs> They're one, <coughs> excuse me, one and the same. But he said, <clears throat> I had this open vision and I didn't understand it. And I said, God, you'll have to show me. Because he said, I was struggling. My ministry was over a million dollars in debt. And I'm sharing with people all over the world, it is the will of God to bless you. I can stand up here right now and tell you it is the will of God to heal you, even though I can tell this allergy thing that the devil is trying to put on me and this drippage is there. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I refuse to accept what the devil owns. I don't have any part in what he owns. He doesn't have any part in my covenant. <clears throat> so it doesn't matter what it looks like. That was me talking. But Brother Copeland said basically the same thing. I'm preaching the word. I know the word works. And I also know I'm a million dollars in debt. And I have this vision of this pipe coming down from heaven. And I look up and it's clogged. And it's got dirt and gravel and yucky stuff. And there's a little bitty drip coming out. And I said, God, what is that? <clears throat> and he said, the Lord said, that's your blessing, Kenneth. That's your blessing for me. And so well, it's all clogged up. What is that? And the Lord told him, that's bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. 
How many of you ever told God he's wrong about what he's trying to tell you? And Brother Copeland said, I don't have unforgiveness toward anybody. So, yeah, Kenneth, you do. He said, well, show me. And instantly, he began to see things flash before his eyes. He said, one of the first things I saw was in the cafeteria. He said, I'd like to go to a cafeteria. And so I'm going through this cafeteria, and the girl splashes gravy on my vegetables. He said, that drives me nuts when they splash the gravy on your vegetables. I don't like the gravy on my vegetables. I like the gravy on my potatoes. He said, I got really angry. I didn't say anything to her, but I got really angry. But I didn't remember it. But God brought it back to me. And that you had bitterness in your heart toward that girl. And then he began to show me example after example after example of unforgiveness that always turns to bitterness or bitterness that turns to unforgiveness. And he said when the Lord finished showing him that, he had to humble himself before the hand of Almighty God and realize that, you know, God, it's true. I have bitterness and unforgiveness. I believe many people in the body of Christ today who love God have bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart over situations or circumstances based on what they think is right or wrong instead of living their life scripturally based on forgiving anyone or anything based on any circumstance and never applying right or wrong, never trying to defend yourself, but living the Word of God the way we are instructed to do that. If we don't do this, the conduit that wants to flow to us to bless us will be clogged and it won't work. A lot of people in the body of Christ think that they're praying about situations and circumstances and all they're doing is calling up other people and gossiping and talking about situations and circumstances and talking about people. That will clog the flow of God's blessings. Now, I want to give you a scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And it's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. That means if we don't have something good to say about somebody, our mouth stays closed. Turn to your neighbor and tell them less words is sometimes good. The less said, have you ever heard this expression? It's a, you know what, I remember my parents used to say that. The less said about this matter, the better. That's not necessarily bad advice. Now, but look at what it goes on to say. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, this is saying if you have unforgiveness or bitterness towards somebody and you begin to share that either with yourself or with others, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. None of us in our right mind would ever do that. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all of the malice. Malice means badness, trouble, wicked. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even and just as Christ forgave you. Christ forgave us just like we were. That's exactly what we should do. Can you say amen to that? Turn to your neighbor because I know you mean it. Just tell them I can do a better job.
Now, this is what forgiveness means. To give up resentment toward another, to give up desire to punish another person, to pardon or cancel ill feelings toward another. There's a lady, I read about it in the Journal and Courier. She lives in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, and she, through uh, various outreaches, uh, started a, a Holocaust museum down there. Don't know how many of you read about it. She, too, was in Auschwitz. And <clears throat> she recently was somewhere in Europe at a meeting they invited her to. She's written a couple of books. And uh, her family died in Auschwitz, too. And the man was going on trial that they had asked her to come because she had uh, written how she had forgiven them. One of the guards that was so mean to them in Auschwitz, they all were mean to them, uh, that she had forgiven. And that when she met the guard, she embraced him, gave him a hug and said, I forgive you. And she, too, shared the story of redemption and forgiveness, that if you do not forgive, it locks you in to an emotional situation that you can't break free of. It's always with you, and it becomes a stronghold in your mind. Bitterness and, and unforgiveness become strongholds that never let us be free to enjoy the life that we've been given and to go on into what God has us. There are some people that may not ever get it right. Don't let them hold you where you are. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And some people like to rehearse all the problems that they've had, all the situations and circumstances. I'm like I am because of this and because of that. Okay, great. Now get up and move on. We know you're like you are because of. Now, do you want to stay like you are or do you want to be like God wants you to be? And then we leave the past behind. And we become what God wants through forgiveness. If you live this type of life, I guarantee you it'll change you forever. Now, I want to give you another scripture in the book of Colossians. <clears throat> One of the reasons why uh, King Saul lost his authority was because he stopped listening to God and he started listening to people and he, and he lost his prayer life. And he began to turn on David because David got some more accolades than he did. You know the story they used to sing, David killed his thousands, or excuse me, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. And it said an evil thought came into Saul. Saul, Saul started to see David differently. He became very bitter and very angry toward him. If you are bitter and angry toward people, it will affect the way you see them and it will affect your life. It can affect your health. Brother Oral Roberts, when he built the City of Faith years ago, shared this. I'll never forget this. He said, I believe we're going to find the cure of cancer at the City of Faith. Now, we know that didn't happen and that the hospital and everything closed down and that what we believe God meant for good, it didn't work out in that particular situation. But I'll never forget what he said. He said, I don't have any scientific proof for this. But I believe that someday they will find the root of cancer in bitterness and unforgiveness that has affected the immune system of people and has caused those growths in their body to grow. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not true. But one thing I do know is true. If you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, it will affect your immune system, it will affect your mind, and it will open you up to a stronghold from the devil. Wherever the devil is, 
all of the evil works of the devil will come along. Poverty will come along. Sickness will come along. Disease will come along. Mental torment will come along. All of the things that are not part of our covenant will follow that. That's why it's so important that we live in an arena where it doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to forgive. I am not going to respond based on right or wrong. And I don't know how many of you have been on the streets of Lafayette. I suppose many of you have. But there's something going on with all these detours and all these roads under construction. Have you ever seen so many hostile drivers in all of your life? It seems like everybody that's got a chip on their shoulder and mad is on the road I'm on. And it's like, glory to God, you can go first. It's okay for me. I don't really care. Or the McDonald's window. Go right ahead. Go first. Save that minute. Whatever. Life is too short to accomplish God's will to be upset with people. People are never your problem. Your outlook is your challenge, not people. People can never be your problem. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. So if you got a complaint against somebody, what do you do? These are not hard questions, by the way. If you have a complaint against somebody, what do you do? You forgive them. If they got a problem with you, what do you do? These are really weak responses. I'm going to give you the answer first, okay? Forgive them. Everybody say, forgive them. Okay, now you're ready. Okay, if you got a complaint for somebody, what do you do? If they got a complaint against you, what do you do? If if they do everything wrong, what do you do? If they do everything right, what do you do? (laughs) Trick question there, okay. Now, but what we do is we walk in a response level. I don't care what you do, you are not going to affect my emotional values. I'm going to forgive you. But what if you do it wrong? You very well may, but I'm going to forgive you. I am not going to stop my path of progression with God just because I don't think you did it right. You may not think I did it right. I know that won't happen, by the way. But you may not think I did it right. You need to forgive me. Forgiveness becomes a way of life, and there is not an emotional entanglement. Does that make sense to you? Now, I want to show you scripturally here as we bring this down to the very end, how important this is, because if you, if you understand this, when Jesus was dying on the cross, <coughs> excuse me, in the book of Luke, what did he say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's dying the most horrible death you could die. And one of his last words is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they would do. It doesn't matter who does what. What matters is how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond following the leading of God's Word and the Holy Spirit? Are we going to be a person of self-centeredness that I'm going to judge things based on what I think or based on what God thinks? And it is dangerous to judge situations based on what you think. And I want you to look in the book of James, chapter 3, because what happens many times is when the devil comes 
to bring a thought into your life. And he tries to get you <clears throat> to be judgmental of a situation or a circumstance or a person. All forgiveness is based on a self-centered will. I'm going to say that again. All forgiveness is based on a Christ-centered will. <coughs> I choose to forgive you. I sat in Billy Joe's office one day, and he had a situation with a person, and he could have very easily responded. He, he could have very easily responded a lot differently than he did. <coughs> it was a horrible situation. But he sat there behind his desk, and he looked at this person, and he said, Scripturally, it is mandated that I forgive you. Therefore, I choose to live the Word of God, and I choose to forgive you. And I watched how he did that in spite of what many, many people would have done in that situation. When you do something like that, you are Christ-centered in your response and your will. But when you look at it and say, hey, that wasn't right. Well, I think this or I think that. Then you are entertaining a self-will. And once you entertain a self-will, you pull yourself away from God. You may think you love God. You may think you're called according to his purpose. But what you do is you pull yourself away from God's will and you implement your self-will. Any person operating on self-will attracts the devil. And when you attract the devil, he comes in. It's like a shark with blood. He senses it. And he senses that you've moved out of a Christ-centered will, which he is under, to a self-will, which he will come in and fellowship with you. James chapter 3, <clears throat> verse, <clears throat> verse 14. But if you have bitterness and envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it is sensual, and it is demonic. A lot of Christians operating with demonic wisdom because of bitterness and unforgiveness, and they think they love God, and they wonder why they're not blessed. And the reason is because they have entertained a demonic influence, stronghold in their brain through bitterness and unforgiveness. And then it goes on in verse number 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil work will be there. Confusion and every evil work. Some of the most confusing times in my life have been times when I did not even realize it, but I had allowed bitterness and unforgiveness to come in. I believe one of the most important things you can do in your life is deal with bitterness, envy, and unforgiveness. <clears throat> and we need to do it on a regular basis. This happened to me several years ago. Some of you have heard the story, I think. But, but the Lord had shown me some things, and I said, God, I, I know I, I need to, 
examine my heart and make sure my heart is right. But sometimes you get busy during the course of the day. And have you found out the way I have found out that the, the inner voice of the Holy Spirit is so sweet and soft and gentle that it just doesn't seem to disrupt my day at all? I just can go right by and not even hear it. Can, how many of you are like that? It's just like, it's just like, it just, sometimes I wish he would yell at me or something because then it get my attention. But it's just so, it's, it's just so wonderful. Just so wonderful. And I was praying. I said, God, I, I know I need to check my heart out. And, and I said, I tell you what, I, Lord, I, every, every night before I get in the shower, I'm going to ask, is, is there anyone I need to forgive? Is there any bitterness in my heart? Anything at all? That's something I do every day. So I figured, okay, that would be good. And it had been a while since that had gone on. And then as I was preparing for this message, just one night I get in the shower and I said, God, if there's anyone at all, just show me. Any situation, any circumstance. And all of a sudden, here comes this thought. Just like Kenneth Copeland with his pipe clogged up. Here comes this thought. And it's like, wow, I didn't even know that. And then I could deal with it. Now, I believe that we need to have a regular scheduled time every single day where you are open to ask God, God, is there anyone at all? Maybe for you it's before you put your head on your pillow. Lord, for me, I got to do that one fast because when my head hits a pillow, I go to sleep. But, but, but you, know, you know when it's best for you. But I believe there has to be a time every day when you download and say, God, what is it in my, is there anything in my life, any bitterness, anything at all, any unforgiveness, and God will show you, God will show you what to do about that. Because if we don't, many times the fight we fight is a fight of faith, but there's also a fight of realizing, you know what, I got a problem, and the problem is me, not people. People can disappoint you, deal with disappointments quickly, move on. But don't ever allow a disappointment to cause you to be unforgiving or bitter because it can ruin your life. Let's stand to our feet. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry, Mark. I just did it again. Mark told me to use the handheld. And I said, I won't cough on that microphone. Now, I believe that this, as every service, but I believe this can be a life-changing service. You are never too young we probably run from age about eight or nine all the way up to adult here. But you're never too young. You're never too old to get this thing right. Right or wrong is never the issue. The only issue is I'm going to love everyone. I'm going to forgive everyone. And I'm not going to be bitter toward anyone. And sometimes your mind can kick in and say, yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. That's true. But it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you walk with forgiveness. Because if you don't forgive, the very matter itself locks into your mind. It becomes a stronghold and it will affect you for the rest of your life and it will grow. You don't want any strongholds in your life. And when you can walk free of bitterness, unforgiveness toward anybody, it will set you free to be everything that God wants you to be. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? <clears throat> I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. 
Do you know if you were to die today, you would go to be with Jesus? Maybe you've never asked the Lord to come into your heart. Let today be the most important day in your life. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal child. You know that you have walked away from the things of God. God's calling you back home because he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And all over this church, if I've described you and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me, I, I know my life isn't right. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand here. Yes, I see your hand over here. Are there others who say, pray for me? I, you may be here and say, I don't even know what you're talking about. I know I need it. That's you. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to have those two that lifted their hands come down to the altar. But let's all pray this prayer right now. Those of you that lifted your hands, I want you to pray this with us right now as we pray with you. Now, let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart take control of my life, the true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Now, Father, I thank you for these ladies. I thank you that the plan, the purpose for their life has never, ever changed. I thank you that today is a day of new beginning. New beginning is the word I have for both of you new beginning. While we're still bowed in prayer, I want you to ask yourself, if you would, open yourself to the Holy Spirit. Is there anyone that you are holding bitterness toward? Is there anyone that you have not forgiven in your life? I want you to close your eyes so that you're not distracted. Nobody moving around for this moment. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what He wants you to see. If this is your heart, I want you to say it after me right now. Lord, show me if there was any bitterness or any unforgiveness toward anyone. <clears throat> now, I want you just to stand there with your eyes closed, no distraction, and let the Holy Spirit show you what the Holy Spirit wants you to see.
Spirit, we welcome always your presence, that these bodies are temples, temples of your Spirit, that we are to glorify you in all that we do. While we're still in prayer, no one looking around. Let me see the hands of all the people. God showed you what you needed to see regarding that. Now, it's important that when God shows us these things, we respond to them. So I'm going to lead you in a confession. But then at the end of the confession, whatever you need to do, maybe you can't release the person's name outside. You just internalize it. But whoever you need to forgive. But the first thing we need to do is ask God's forgiveness for carrying bitterness and unforgiveness. So let's pray this prayer right now. Lord, forgive me for carrying bitterness unforgiveness I believe it's demonic I believe it's self-seeking it's totally unhealthy and it is totally against your word please forgive me and help me so that I'll never carry bitterness again and I'll never be unforgiving again now, I want you to forgive whatever the situation, circumstance, person is. Whatever you feel led, the Holy Spirit will show you how. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that this is a, a miracle breakthrough day as people all throughout this building are forgiving those people. Yes. <clears throat> now, before we dismiss, when it comes to forgiveness, the three really important things. Number one, you have to receive the forgiveness from Almighty God. Now that's free. It comes from the throne room through the Son. And that forgiveness is in you through Jesus. Number two, you have to always be ready to instantly forgive anyone that disappoints you, that brings something into your life that's a bad situation. Forgive them instantly. But there's a third person that you always need to be ready to forgive after you've done the first two. You need to forgive yourself. And many people are locked up with self-condemnation because of things they've done wrong. Some of the most difficult battles I've ever faced in my life were the battles when God showed me the problem. And the problem was me. And I had to forgive myself. Because if I didn't forgive myself, I'd lock up. And I wouldn't be able to be used. How many of you need to forgive yourself in some areas? Can I see your hands? Lift them up there real high. Give it to the Lord. Father, you see these hands. You do not want us to live with self-condemnation. You want us to be able to receive your forgiveness. And just as we forgive others, we have to forgive ourselves. 
so that we can move on with what you have for us. We choose as an act of our will in agreement with your will, not only to forgive others, but we forgive ourselves. And we do it because we know it is your will. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask in Jesus' precious name. I want us all to say it. Today, I forgive others and I forgive myself.